Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Even as tonight, as we're worshiping God and the presence of the Lord is in this house, I felt it would be important tonight to emphasize worship, that we need to be men of worship. And oftentimes, when we think of worship and we think of all that's going on in the world today, oftentimes there's a stereotype mentality that it's women that worship, and we think women are the one that, you know, they have feelings, they have emotions, and, and men aren't supposed to have any expression. And a lot of us grew up that way, but I'm here to tell you, God's looking for men that will worship him. And oftentimes, what we look at is we think that, you know, men have a hard time expressing themselves. Men have a difficult time showing expression. And I've often talked to men about worship, and they say, well, Pastor, you know, I, I didn't grow up that way. You know, I, I grew up this way, and we didn't, we didn't have a lot of emotion, and we don't do all of that. But, but the crazy thing about it is I think that's kind of a cop-out. Because when your team is winning, it's, 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 a, it's a wonder how you jump out of your seat, you lift your hand, you're high-fiving everybody. Am I right? And, or when your team wins the championship, some of you will stand on trash cans to wave at your team, you know. And at and, 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 and other places, if you sit on a trash can, you look like a fool. But if you're standing on a trash can when your team is coming by, it's appropriate. How much more... Should we be worshiping God when the King of Kings enters into the room? I said, when we worship God. And so tonight, I want to talk about that because I believe worship is important. I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture here. This is not my text, but I do believe it appropriate for where we're at tonight. And it's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. And this is Paul the Apostle that's encouraging men everywhere. And he said this, in every place of worship... I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Another version said that, therefore, I encourage men to pray on every occasion, hands lifted up to God in worship with clean hearts, free from frustration and from strife. So let's pray as we dive into this message tonight. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the men that are in this house tonight. Lord, you know where every man is right now. You know what state of mind they're in. You know where they're at in their life. You know where they're at spiritually today. But I pray today, God, that we would open our hearts, that we would respond in humility today, that we would be vulnerable today, that you can minister, that we can make that connection tonight. And remove all of the anger and all of the controversy and all the frustration so that we can hear from heaven in the name of Jesus. And people and everybody said, amen. amen. And so Paul the apostle, again, is saying many of us may be dealing with anger. We may be dealing with controversy. And Paul is telling men everywhere to lift their hands or holy hands without wrath or without anger, without controversy. And here was the man that was involved in, uh, who was very angry, who was involved in a lot of controversy. So he understood this level of, of worshiping God because he was a man that was filled with anger and God got a hold of his life. 
And the Jesus he hated began to be the Jesus he loved and praised. And today I want us to look at worship because I believe worship is very important. And I want us to take some lessons. And I know you're not going to like this, man, but we're going to learn how to worship from a woman in the Bible. Is that all right? She's going to teach us tonight the spirit and the attitude of worship and why worship is important in your life, why it should revolutionize who you are. And it's a story here. We pick it up in John chapter 12. I'm going to read a few verses of scripture here and believe the Lord to help us as we get the picture here and the impact of this story. The Bible says six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived whom, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So this is the very Lazarus that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha, which was Lazarus' sister, uh, was serving, while Lazarus among those reclining at the table. So Lazarus is at the table. Jesus is there. Martha is serving. And then it says, Then Mary, which was Lazarus' uh, sister, took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance of that perfume. Could you imagine going to that house and that whole house being filled with perfume? It's like walking in with uh, some pan dulce. You know how it just kind of, just the aroma of it all, right? But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, there's always the Judas in the crowd, who was later to betray him, objected. He said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? He said, it was worth a year's wages. That's how expensive this perfume was. But it says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and the keeper of the money back. And he used to help himself to what was put into it. And the Bible said that Jesus said, leave her alone. And Jesus replied, it was intended that she should, she should uh, save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me among you. Hold on, guys. I think I hear my phone talking to me already. All right, here we go. So this is a very famous story. Most of you probably have read it. You probably have heard sermons on this story. And here is this woman by the name of Mary. She has this perfume. She comes to the feet of Jesus. And as he's there eating and having a meal at the table, the Bible says she comes and she pours out this perfume. It is an act of worship. It is an act. This is not a perfume party. Are you listening to me? This is the point where she's worshiping God and she's honoring God and she begins to worship Jesus at his feet. And I want you to think about what is worship because I, I kind of want to redefine worship to a lot of us. Many times when we think of worship, we don't have the right understanding of what worship is. And worship simply means, if you're taking note, means to express worth. Literally means to ascribe worth to something. It means to ascribe or express value and an appraisal. In other words, how much is God worth to you? How much is God worth to you? 
In fact, throughout the scripture, you're going to find that God consistently communicates to his people. He is consistently and actively telling us that we're to worship him. God says, worship me. God says, you need to worship me. God is saying, you need to worship me and take the time to worship me. And this is the question, why does God want us to worship him so much? Does God have an insecurity problem? Does God have amnesia that he forgot that you worshiped him just the day before? That God is God egocentric. In other words, he's so much uh, trying to garner this praise and constant admiration that, that God is so insecure that he wants you to worship him day in and day, not, uh, day out. Now think about what the scripture is telling us. Why is it that God is giving us instruction to worship him? And I'm going to give you this reason right now because many of us don't understand. It's not for his benefit. It's for your benefit. Whenever God gives us instruction, it is not for his sake, it is for your sake. In fact, Deuteronomy 5.33 says, follow all the directions that the Lord your God has given you, and what will happen? Life will go well with you. The truth is, when we worship God, you receive the benefits. Whenever God gives us instruction, you receive the benefits. Think about this. When God tells us to forgive our enemies, it's not because he wants you to do it for him. He wants you to do it for you. It keeps you from being bitter. It keeps you being uh, uh, filled with poison. Uh, when you're unwilling to forgive someone else, it's like drinking the poison and hoping someone else dies. And so God gives us instruction to worship him because the reward of worship is his presence. The reward of worship is his goodness. In other words, God knows that if we're going to function the way God intended us to function, if we're going to move in the way that God wants us to move, we don't need more knowledge. We don't need more information. We don't need more preaching. We need an encounter and an experience with God in worship. Somebody say amen. And so worship gives us more than information. It gives us his presence. In fact, I'll give you a few things that happens when you worship God and you begin to get into the presence of God. Write this down. You receive provision from God when you worship him. In other words, uh, there are some mental and emotional needs that are met in the presence of God. Real joy, let me just tell you about real joy. Real joy is not found in taking drugs and drinking. Real joy is found in the presence of God. When you've learned how to worship God, all of a sudden you find joy that you've never found before. You find peace and contentment and provision for your soul like never before. The second thing you receive in worship is the principles of God's presence. In other words, there are moments, and some of you pastors can identify to what I'm going to say right now. There are times in your life where a sermon 
isn't giving you the answer. Where even words are not giving you the answer. But through the Holy Spirit, you could be facing some problems. You could be facing some difficulties in your life. And all of a sudden, man, the Holy Spirit begins to give you the answer because you're worshiping God. And all of a sudden, you have an aha moment. And God gives you a revelation. It didn't happen because you got information. It didn't happen because you were reading an article. It happened in the presence of God. God gave you some principles while you were worshiping him. A lot of us said, man, I got a good idea. And God saying, man, I, I gave you that idea. So you get provision in the presence of God. And you get principles in the presence of God. The third one, are you ready for this? You get power in the presence of God. Excuse me here, guys. You get the ability to carry out what God has instructed you. In other words, how many know we can't do it on our own? We need the power of God. Can I just be honest? We need God's assistance. We need God's power in our life. And so a person who is living life needs more than simply information. You need the presence of God. You need this presence of God in your life. And can I just be honest? Some of us are living in spiritual, uh, or I should say you're, you're living a spiritual inferior life because you haven't learned how to worship God yet. You're not reaching the potential that God wants you to be in and function in because you haven't learned to contend and be in the presence of God. It would be equivalent to this phone right here. How many, how many have one of these phones right here? A lot of us have. I know some of you don't like the iPhone, but I do. But if you have one of these phones, man, these phones are incredible, right? I mean, think about it. You can surf the web. It's got all these different apps. You can do banking, you can read emails, you can view videos, you can make videos, you can send messages, you can receive messages. I mean, you can do all kinds of things. But what if you only use this phone to make calls and answer calls? You'd be underutilizing the power of this phone. It's not evil, am I right? It's not immoral, but you're underutilizing the tool that God has given you. You're underutilizing the very thing that's available to you, and it's the same way in the presence of God and learning how to worship God. God wants you to become a worshiper because there are benefits that are far greater than you can understand that you can't achieve on your own. It's more than just making a call and receiving calls. You get the power of God. You get the presence of God. You get the provision of God. You get the principles of God in your life. See, it's very important today that we don't belittle worship. A lot of us here, when I talked about worship, you guys kind of like, oh, really? That, that's what we're going to talk about? Because we kind of don't understand the power of worship. And I just want you to realize today, worship is not a warm-up for the Word of God. We're not kind of warming you up so we can get up here and preach the Word. We're not waiting for the latecomers. All right, we're not waiting for those to come and kind of wait. 
Well, it, it's not about singing and good music. We enjoy that. It's not about that. It's about you and I. And, and let me just say that it's not a concert either. Am I right? It's you and I getting in the presence of God, learning how to bask in God's presence uh, where God can touch you in such a way that you can't achieve it on your own. In fact, God isn't so desperate for prayer. I'll just say God is not desperate for worship because not all worship is accepted by God. How many know the scripture? The Bible says in Matthew 15, 8, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God's not looking for lip service. God is looking for heart service, heart worship, surrender. Am I right? And just because it's offered doesn't mean it's accepted. And so I want to learn how to do it right. I want to learn how to do it in a good way. And so here's a great example in this story. The Bible says Jesus is in the city of Bethany. And while he's there having dinner, this woman with an alabaster box comes. She kneels and opens this box of perfume. And she pours it on the feet of Jesus. She wipes it with her hands hair and everyone that's observing especially a particular man by the name of Judas they're looking and they're watching and you can imagine some of the thoughts of the people like man is that really necessary come on that's kind of exaggerate that's an exaggeration it doesn't take all of that do you ever observe worship like that like it don't it don't take all that man Come on, that's a little, una cosa exagerada. I mean, you guys are going way, you're going way beyond here. You know, what, what, why do you guys need to shout so much? And why do you need to lift your hands so much? And why do you need to dance? And why do you need to be so loud? And, and why do you need to raise your hand? And so I can imagine there might have been some comments that were going on as this woman was continuing to wipe, weep, and worship. While they were commenting, she was continuing to wipe or to weep and wipe and worship. And these people were probably complaining about it. And so I want you to realize something that's going on here. When a woman uh, basically uh, began to, culturally, a woman's hair was the glory of the woman. The glory of a woman was her hair. And what she was doing by wiping his feet with her hair, it was symbolic of her giving him glory. She was laying down her glory to give him glory. She was saying, basically, in essence, she was putting her pride aside. Without the respect and thoughts of others, she was worshiping and honoring him. It was an expression of worship, and she was saying to them, uh, basically, as she was weeping, wiping, and worshiping, uh, I can imagine you may not like it, but you can't stop me. Hallelujah. She was there worshiping God, and because, friend, I want you to realize something. There was something in her heart, uh, and the reason why she knew this man, Jesus, uh, had changed her life, uh, and she said, you know what? Uh, I know Jesus. He's Lord of my life, and this is why I'm worshiping him today. And one of the men in the room had an opinion of all that was going on. And he said, why this waste? Judas was one of Jesus' disciples. He was a follower of Jesus. He was a student of Jesus. 
He was the member of the team of Jesus. Now, I want you to hear this clearly. You had somebody that was close to Jesus, speaking for Jesus, but he was misrepresenting Jesus. Let me say that again. We had someone that was close to Jesus, speaking for Jesus, that was misrepresenting Jesus. This woman was able to have an effective worship because she refused to listen to Judas' voice, but she was listening to Jesus' voice. There are many people today, your spiritual life is shallow because you've been taught by Judas and not by Jesus. You're listening to the voice of Judas and not the voice of Jesus. Judas represents someone that is close to Jesus, speaking for Jesus, but misrepresenting Jesus. These are the kinds of people that you know that have their own version of Christianity. They have their own perspective of how they see things in the church. Do you know those people? They seem to always have an opinion of what the church should be doing and not be doing. I always look at them and go, oh, they're the other church guru again. I guess he knows everything. The church shouldn't do this, and the church should do that. And the church, well, who made you the guru, man? I, I mean, what, what made you the professional? You seem to know everything about the church. Uh, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. The modern church is this. Uh, and, you know, all of these different things. Uh, and these people uh, basically uh, are bankrupt of the presence of God, and yet they're trying to tell us spiritual things. I want to say we don't know that version. We're not supposed to follow that version of faith. We're supposed to follow Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? It came down to somebody that was close to Jesus, speaking for Jesus, but misrepresenting Jesus. Sometimes this person, Judas, could be somebody that's close to you. Sometimes this Judas can be somebody that you love and they gave you something or imparted something into your life that you didn't evaluate when they imparted into you and you don't realize you got it in you. This is why many of us end up confused because you're practicing the faith by Judas and not by Jesus. Your soul is tainted because it's this person is imparting things into you. It could be, let me just tell you who this Judas could be. It could be some of your favorite YouTube preachers. I'm not going to name. Could be your other church that you came from. Could be that other pastor that you were under. Could be a previous Sunday school who's not in the church anymore. Could be your best friend. Could be some of your former friends that left the church a long time ago, but you still have that Judas in you. I'm preaching this tonight, all right? Is this the men's discipleship? See, Judas could be someone who loved Jesus, close to Jesus, speaking for Jesus, but not properly representing Jesus. 
And some people are living a spiritual, shallow life, and all of a sudden, we begin to walk according to their version. Thank God this woman didn't listen to Judas. She didn't allow anything to disrupt her. She continued to worship. She continued to wipe. She continued to weep. She continued to worship God. She didn't worry about what Judas, because Judas represents religion, and Jesus represents relationship. I talked about forgiveness earlier, and I, I realized some people are in opposition to the ideal of forgiveness because we often think that forgiveness is to forgive, is to forget. How many know forgiveness is not to forget? Because there's a lot of deep things you're never going to forget. But you do need to forgive. Forgive means to pardon. That's what the word forgive means. It means to refuse to hold against. In other words, I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to retaliate. It doesn't mean you forget. It means basically I let it go. I pardon you. How many realize sometimes we need to remember that all God has forgiven you so that you can forgive others when they do you wrong? Can you say amen? Amen. See, some people are in opposition to certain things, especially in the church, because they have a version of Judas and not a version of Jesus. And some people today, they don't only need deliverance from bad habits. They don't only need deliverance from bad hang-ups, but they need deliverance from bad religion in their life. You picked up some things that you're carrying with you, and it's not relationship, it's Judas religion. So as they were talking, she's weeping, she's wiping, uh, she's not consumed by anybody's opinion. Uh, Thank God. See, when you're worshiping God, uh, you're worshiping for the audience of one. Uh, I can imagine she got so caught up in worshiping Jesus. By the time she got up, she looked around like, you guys are still here. Uh, I I didn't even realize you guys were still here. She's worshiping Jesus. Uh, She's giving him the praise. Uh, Jesus is telling uh, the people. People that you that Jesus doesn't want this uh, that they should have sold this uh, to the poor they should have gave it away uh, and yet I'm telling you today that Jesus is looking for true worshipers uh, worshipers that will worship him in spirit uh, and in truth see Judas will tell you just give Jesus whatever you want Judas said just give him whatever you want don't waste your time he said, what a waste, is what he told everybody. What a waste. Why, why did we waste that perfume? That's what Judas would tell you. What a waste. Why waste your time worshiping God in church? Why waste your money? Just give God whatever you want. Well, you know, I don't need to go to church. I'll, I'll, just be, I'll, I'll be at home, and I'll worship God. I don't need to worship God at church. Yeah, but do you? <laughs> but do you worship? I'll, well, ask your wife. Do you really worship at your house? Oh, I could worship at the house. You don't, you don't even read the Bible at your house. You don't even, come on. Who are you fooling? You don't even do it at the house. I, I can do it. I, I can watch online and worship. You're, 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 you're in the restroom while the whole thing is going on. Come on. You're, you're not even paying attention half the time. I'm doing that at home. You don't do it at home. Hallelujah. When you're a worshiper, it creates an appetite for the presence of God. We don't have to 
asked you to come when you're a worshiper. We can't keep you from coming because you are a worshiper of God. You're somebody that wants to worship God. You're somebody that loves to worship God. Can you say amen? Amen. And I can imagine that Jesus is listening to this whole conversation. He finally speaks up. Finally, Jesus says some words here, and he basically says, stop. He says, you need to stop representing me. You need to stop telling people stuff that I do want and telling them that I don't want. Because what she's doing is exactly what I want. See, somebody misrepresenting Jesus is always telling you what God doesn't want, and that's exactly what he wants. People say, we don't need to worship God. Shut up, fool. It tells me to worship God. Don't listen to that guy. Bible tells us to worship God. Worship him only. I mean, that, that's one of the first commandments. Am I right? I mean, my goodness. You just got to read the Bible a little bit. Don't listen to Bozo Judas over there, okay? So here, here, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says uh, uh, in Matthew, it says, wherever this gospel is preached, what this woman is doing will always be remembered. So Jesus is declaring, he's endorsing her. He's saying, you know what? This is exactly what I want. In fact, exactly what she's doing is something that was, I was waiting for this moment. I was wanting exactly what this woman is doing. This is my love language. Jesus is saying, this is what she's doing is reflecting exactly what I want. And he says, I want her to be remembered. Wherever this gospel is preached, I want her to be remembered by this. This is the difference. See, when God remembers something, he does something. Bible says when he told Noah, he goes, I, he remembered Noah, and he said, you know what? I, he remembered Noah, and he stopped it from raining. He remembered Rachel, and he opened her womb. He doesn't just think something. He does something. So I want us to look at this woman, and there's some things about her life that I think apply to every man in this place in teaching us how we're to worship. Number one, write this down. This woman offered grateful worship. Grateful worship. She was grateful. That's what true worship is, is having a grateful attitude. Gratitude requires being deliberate, being intentional, because the human heart, listen to me, is always leaning toward entitlement. I deserve this. I worked hard for this. I earned this. And so, therefore, when we think we earn it and we deserve it, we're not grateful for it. Can you say amen? See, some of us, listen to me, we've been, God's been good for us too, for so long that it becomes our normal and you, for, you forget to give God thanks for what he's done in your life. Because all the blessings have become normal in your life now. And so now you feel like you're entitled and you take the blessings for granted. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen to me. Some of you are sitting in, walking in, working in, answered prayer that you used to pray for, but now you're complaining about it. You pray for that wife, and now you're complaining about her. <laughs> you pray that you just get married. That somebody would just marry your ugly face, and now you're complaining about her. Man, you're walking and living in answered prayer in the blessing of God, and you're complaining about the very thing you prayed about because the human heart 
always leans toward entitlement. It always leans toward that. Our children, listen to me, the children that we have today, now that you got saved, your own children have no idea how favored they are because your favor has become their normal. You have favor now. I mean, man, you are working a job now. You're married. You're stayed married. You're off of drugs. You're free. And your children are walking in the blessing of your favor, and it's become their normal. Your children have no idea what it is to share one phone in the house. We used to all share just one phone. Remember that? There's only one phone. The whole family shared it. I grew up with seven brothers, man. It was hard sharing that phone. My brother would say, you better get off that phone, man. Get out. I got so-and-so. That, it was usually a girl when they call. She's going to call. You better get off that phone right now. I'd be threatened. My life would be threatened. <laughs> you have no idea what it is to share one phone. You have no idea what it is, man, uh, to have to share a bed. Man, I didn't get my own bed till I got married. Hallelujah. <laughs> And then I'm still sharing it, but thank God it's a woman. My God, sleeping with another dude, that's bad. Amen. See, the enemy wants to keep us entitled. Listen to me. Entitlement is the enemy to contentment. We're not satisfied. We think we deserve more. We're not grateful. And usually the worst decision that we make in life is because you were not content and you were not grateful. Think of some of the dumb decisions you made because you felt entitled. The more content you are, the more wider you are. You're able to see your blessing. Can you say amen? You're not seduced by what you don't have. You're grateful for what you do have. You're not influenced by what they have over there. You're content with what you have. Bible says godliness and contentment is great gain. So this woman was grateful. She had a gratitude in her life. Gratitude is the antidote that helps you with your entitlement. Can you say amen? Believe it or not, I believe gratitude is spiritual warfare. You got to fight to be grateful. I met a lot of men. They're blessed and they don't realize how blessed they are. And it's a spiritual fight. You're fighting a spiritual battle right now. You know, I did it with my bare hands. I did all this. And God gave you those hands. Somebody say amen. amen. You have to make yourself grateful. You got to make yourself grateful. That'll break that entitlement spirit. You have to war with the tendency to take for granted God's goodness. And remember, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of a previous season, that man, thank God, amen, that God has brought you through and you're living today and you're alive today and you can give God praise today. And so the Bible says this woman was washing Jesus' feet. But listen to this, and I want you to listen very careful. As she was worshiping and Washing his feet at the table, Jesus was not the only one at the table. Remember what it says, John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany with, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. 
Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and it says, while Lazarus was among those that were reclining at the table. So I want you to catch this. I don't want you to miss this tonight. She's worshiping Jesus here in chapter 12. She's worshiping Jesus here in chapter 12 of this book right here. She's worshiping here in John chapter 12. She's worshiping Jesus. She's giving him praise. But can I tell you why she's doing that? Because she's remembering and grateful for chapter 11. Because in chapter 11, Lazarus had been dead, raised from the dead. And so she's thanking God for her brother that is alive. She's worshiping God in chapter 12 because she remembers chapter 11. Some of you have to remember your chapter 11. You were spiritually bankrupt in your chapter 11. You were spiritually gone in your chapter 11. Some of you filed chapter 11. Amen. So some of you today, in order for you to worship God, you need to remember chapter 11 because now God got you in chapter 12 where you can begin to give God worship worship and praise. Hallelujah. See, I'm telling you today, one of the antidotes that helps me walk with God. I've been walking with God for over 40 years, and I've told this over and over many times. I've had some of the men, people ask me, Pastor, uh, how do you do? What's one of the keys? And We know it's the grace of God. We know it's the power of God, but I can tell you, I, I, I've learned something. I've learned how to have an attitude of gratefulness. I'm grateful. Because I know I don't deserve to be here tonight. Because I know where I grew up. I know where I was raised. I know where I come from. Are you listening to me? I know that I'm not entitled. I know that I'm undeserving. But it's by the grace of God that I'm here. I know that I shouldn't be even preaching here tonight. So that's why I'm so grateful to God. That every time I walk in this building, every time I stand in the front, I said, somebody pinch me. Is this real? Is this real? Man, am I really here? Am I really preaching tonight? Am I really preaching Sunday morning? Are people actually going to listen to what I say today? Thank God. I'm grateful. How many are grateful today? Some of you are complaining over problems that are good problems. Like I said, some of you are complaining about your wife. At least you have one. Hallelujah. You're complaining about your kids. At least you got kids. Amen. We're complaining about problems that are actually good problems. Some of you forgot your chapter 11. Some of you have been healed from leprosy for so long, you forgot what it's like to have an itch anymore. Some of you have been delivered for so long, you forgot what it is to, uh, to be bound and lost. You forgot what it is to be like when you're empty and you're lost. But thank God today you're in chapter 12. But never forget your chapter 11. See, I want you to realize God has brought you to this point in your life. It wasn't luck, it was God. Can you say Amen. See, whatever you don't appreciate will depreciate and eventually disintegrate. I made that one up myself. That was pretty good. <laughs> don't call it luck. Call it God. 
But I'm lucky. No, no. It was God. The second thing she did was it was genuine worship. That's the key, men. Genuine worship. Now, I've never seen somebody in the house worship with perfume and don't get any ideas with cologne, okay? But I want you to realize she was worshiping God with something that was consistent with her personality. This is who she was. And oftentimes, we're wondering, man, how do I worship God? What is it? How, how do I need to be? And we know in the Bible, over and over, it talks about clapping. It talks about singing. It talks about shouting. It talks about standing. It talks about kneeling. It even talks about laying down in worship. It's kind of hard to lay down around here. Somebody might step on you, but laying down. Uh, you know, however, and there are several ways in Scripture that talks about they're even dancing in Scripture where people are dancing before the Lord. So if you dance, dance for Jesus. Hallelujah. Some of you are, your feet ain't moving, but your, your head is grateful to God. That's all right. Amen. <laughs> however you do it. Let the clappers clap. Can you say amen? Let the shouters shout. Let the weepers weep. But God is looking for genuine worship. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing, but do what God's placed in your heart. Let it be genuine. Let it be genuine. See, I, I found that men have a hard time worshiping God in a masculine way. And I want you to know it's okay, man, however you want to do it. If I may, guys, I want you to know it's okay. Beat your chest like that. Mm, mm, yes, hallelujah. No point, you know, instead of lifting your you're, you're like shouting your fist. Go ahead and do that. I see some men, they're like stomping their feet. That's all right. Don't worry about the women around you. Amen. You can, you're going to do it different. You're going to do it how you do it. Can you say amen? It's all right to jump. It's all right to shout. Uh, however you want to do it. Sometimes when I, I'm around, sometimes I just want to high-five people. Amen. I just want to high. I don't know what else to do. Amen. I'm going to worship my way. <laughs> There's women that you're like, what are you doing? I'm doing it my way. Don't worry about me. I'm, I'm weeping, wiping, and worshiping. Amen. Don't, don't worry about how I do it. If I want to do a little chest bump, I'll do a chest bump. Is that right? Pastor Eddie, we want to do that? That's all right. We do a little elbow bump, we'll do that. A little fist bump, amen. Hallelujah. Whatever you want to do it. Just let it be genuine. Can you say amen? Let it come from your heart. Let it come from your soul. Don't worry about who's watching you. Guys, I'm telling you today, this is the place to do it. Don't worry about it. You find your place. You find your niche. And you worship God with all your heart, all your soul. See, God's looking for men that will worship him. He's looking for worshipers in the house tonight. Man, if you can learn how to do it. If you'll begin to tap into these things that I'm talking about. If you'll tap into worship, it'll change your life. Literally will revolutionize your life. Some of you, man, I'm into the word. Thank God for the word. I appreciate the word. You know, I appreciate God's word being preached. But you know what? You've got to learn how to connect with God in worship. There's got to be a place where you're surrendering. Man, again, I, I love our worship services. I love the music. Uh, man, so, I, I'm just here to tell you, there's got to be a point where you could sing along someplace. I often see men, they're just kind of looking like, come on, dude. If I put some bump-up music for you, you'd be singing, shouting, moving in the shower. Oh, I don't really think. Yes, you do. You sing. 
Come on, I don't care. Just whisper it. Do whatever you got to do. Get some expression going. And here's the last thing. Her worship was generous. Generosity. Say generosity. I'm going to tell you today, this is the distinction that I'm telling you today. I'm kind of refining it because Judas' worship is not generous. He said, what a waste. This was the costly perfume. And, G- and Judas thought it was a waste. Judas thought it wasn't worth it. She poured it on the feet of Jesus. What she was doing was she was not holding anything back. Usually when you add perfume or costly perfume, you would dab a little bit here and dab a little bit there. But basically she poured it all. She gave it all to Jesus. She was generous. They generous. She was generous. She gave it all to Jesus. She poured it on the feet of Jesus. King David said, I won't give God anything that doesn't cost me something. You know, we think, oh, man, I'm giving away some clothes, some household items to to goodwill. That's a nice gesture. But I want you to know real giving occurs when you give something that you want to keep. Not giving away things you don't want. Anybody can do that. That's not giving. Oh, you didn't like that. If you're a jumper during worship, but not a giver, you're not a worshiper. If you're a shouter, yeah, Jesus, yeah, but you don't give, you're not a worshiper. See, worship is generous. See, I waited this for the last. See, I got you guys all excited. What did I say from the beginning? Worship expresses worth. It comes from the heart. There are two mirrors in your life right now that reveal your heart. Your words, what you speak out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So the mirror of your heart today will find where your heart is at and where your attitude is at. See, friend, when, you, when you're a worshiper of God, you don't mind giving. It doesn't bother you at all. You're a generous, you're a giver. Man, in fact, it's a sign of your generosity. It's a sign of your gratefulness to God. In worship, I just don't worship with my words, but I worship with my possessions. This woman was worshiping, not just kneeling, weeping, and wiping, but she was worshiping with her possessions. This was part of her worship before God. Friend, I'm telling you, when your wallet gets saved, you're really saved. Hallelujah. When you can say, God, it belongs to you. I'm grateful to you. Man, I'm telling you, you have touched, you have tapped in to the key of worshiping God. So God desires today, listen to me, grateful worship, genuine worship, generous worship, worship that Jesus is looking for. Worship that pleases God. Worship that changes your whole life around. I found in my walk with God moments where I needed strength, moments where I needed God, man, to help me. And it was just worshiping that made the difference. I read the Bible. I called everybody in the world. I need prayer, man. I need prayer. And really, the answer came in a regular church service that I was standing here, and I began to worship God. 
God filled me up. God touched my life. I got a revelation from God. And, uh, and, and it was worship all the time. Some of your answer isn't calling this person, calling that person, calling Tia, whoever her name is, and who this person, and your compadre. It's calling on Jesus and worshiping him with your hands lifted high. And say, God, you come first tonight. Father, we want to worship you. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray right now. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.